Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Uh, I'm very grateful to be here. Uh, Thanks everyone for watching or listening at any time. Um, yeah, I feel very privileged. It's just an amazing um, conference. Thank you, everyone, for the facilitators and, and all the people who've done service in there uh, in this event. Um, I've had the opportunity to watch some of the sessions, and uh, it's really beautiful. So uh, I had to pick some some topic between the topics we had, and um, I found fears to be a great topic because it's something I have (laughs) and it's something that the program helps me greatly. And I think, um, it's just something I'd love to share about. Um, I think the most, uh, uh, profound, um, uh, experience around fears were, was, uh, one of the conferences, the international conferences I've been to, I think it was Detroit, uh, back in 2014. Um, my sponsor was there. And he had a session with with a panel of uh, of members talking about the four step inventory, and some of the things I've heard there um, really changed uh, my experiences in recovery to the better, of course. Um, and what my sponsor said back then, he says that um, for him, step four is not just about lists and writings and uh, lots of papers and ink. He said that uh, for him. Step four is a set of observations, sorry, writings, observations, and prayers. And this idea of uh, writings, observations, and prayers um, really, uh, really changed something. Because, yes, there were some prayers in the book. Yes, um, you know, I was thinking that prayer might work. But mainly, you know, four-step inventory was like about, oh, dig in and find all my problems, right? And I was very easy to criticize myself. So just give me that fourth column. I'll just pop it up, you know, with all the things I'm bad at. This is why I'm angry. And um, I'm sure some of you probably are more easy to blame others. It doesn't really matter. Um, the, the problem was um, writing all those things on a paper uh, does help to kind of see it. And I'm sure there is something to it um but for me it wasn't enough and uh when i was uh suggest when i was when i was uh when i received the suggestion that maybe the inventory is a process of writings observations and prayers whereby i um start by writing and then at some point um the way i do it is after the third column i read this page right I believe to be 60, uh, 
right? Uh, 66, after the table in the big book, where he talks about uh, where he talks about the resentment, and he talked about uh, like Bill likes to write in the big book uh, the problem of resentment, the solution of resentment, and how I do that solution. And the solution uh, was actually getting rid of the resentment. Uh, the question is, how do we do it? And uh, the answer is prayer. And so God is answered. God is the real answer to all our problems. Right? Was the answer uh, to be rid of the of our selfishness, the root of our problems? Step three, right? And it's basically the solution of this program. Twelve steps are just a map, a map to reach my higher power. And so, part of the, I think all the steps are just a way to get me closer into my higher power and get me into a relationship, close relationship with my higher power, um, close and conscious connection with my higher power. And and so I'm not going to go into too much details of the inventory process in terms of resentments, but um, this uh, this moment of prayer for each person um, was very was and is very important in my life. Uh, not only in the past, you know, when I've had my 130 something, you know, pages on the paper, and not even um, just every one or two years when I kind of try to do uh, my yearly inventory and kind of sit down and write a whole bunch of lists all over again because you can't believe how many names you can <laughs> accumulate, you know, in uh, three years or two years um, and have to sit down and do some work. But actually, uh, it's not all about that because there are some some people, uh, some resentments, you know, that doesn't disappear. Most of them really disappeared fairly quickly when I did the work, but uh, some of the more some of the most uh, deeper and uh, stronger ones needed some extra work. And that extra work requires, required not many, mo- not much more writings, but a lot of, a lot of observations and prayers. And uh, I want to jump right into the fears. Cause I don't think, I don't think I have a lot to say. Um, and I'd love to hear some of your comments and questions and um, we'll get to that in a second. I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I'm watching your comments. So let me see if I can get that. Um, <clears throat> but I want to go right into the fears and then uh, share a little bit about my experience on, on how I do it and how it's changing my uh, experience and um, getting me closer to my higher power and probably be open for questions and other stuff. Uh, let me see if I can have you here. Chat page. All right. Okay, now I get the questions. All right. Great to see everyone. Okay. So, um, we're talking about fears. All right, so actually... Uh, hearing about these observations of prayers was one thing, but the whole concept of fears inventory, it's something I, I wasn't really aware of. And when well, you read the book, you see that uh, it has a few pages, uh, I think a, a page or, or or a few paragraphs just for fears. Um, and nevertheless, you see a lot of people who uh, said, uh, I'm asking, did you work your first step? They said, yeah, I did my first step, did all, uh, all the inventory there, did a lot of work. So yeah. 
what'd you do? I said, well, I got the, I got the, the first column, second column. For, I said, okay, one table. He says, yeah, one table, you know, for the resentments. I said, yeah. Did you do any other inventory? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, well, if you read the book, there are three inventories in step four. There is the, there is the, um, the resentment inventory, which is really important. Then it talks about fears, and uh, we'll, we'll see that in a second. And then there's the sex inventory or relationship inventory or whatever, or harms inventory or whatever you want to call it. There are really three inventories uh, in our four steps. And uh, I wasn't aware of that for, for a long time. And so if, uh, if we finish the inventory process for the resentments in the book, and by the way, why do we do the inventory? Uh, it's very simple, right? Uh, Bill, right? This, um, this uh, story about uh, the business, that business that doesn't keep inventory would probably fail. And um, Aviat's business of recovery is something that needs to go through regular inventory. And I have to find all the damaged and unsellable goods, uh, which are the attitudes and characteristics of my personality that just doesn't work. Right, so I got the character defects. I got some character assets. I never had. I never thought I have, but I have a few, and they're quite good. And they're serving other people and God, and um, they're they're great. Uh, and uh, I want to keep those, but there are a lot of character defects that I don't want to keep, and um, I have to make my. I have to do my inventory to see what's what's uh, what's damaged and unsellable and uh, get rid of it. So it would allow space for other stuff to come into my head or come into my life. And uh, what's the criteria for good or bad or damaged? It's really simple. If it's getting me closer to my higher power and other people and myself, it's a good characteristic or it's a character asset. Um, if it's uh, pushing me away from other people, away from myself, away from God, uh, it's probably bad um, because it's not uh, helping me reaching my goal, which is having a conscious contact with what? With everything, with God, with myself, with other people. And um, like Roy writes in the white book, right? It's that connection that we were all looking for. Uh, it's the connection that I always look for. Um, I always felt I'm, un, I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy of connection. And um, I'm defected in, in, in some very bad ways. And my head is way sicker than you ever imagine. And I'm just no good. And there's no way I'll ever find, I'll ever find connection, true connection with other people. Uh, intimacy, I never, never knew that word, but uh, true intimacy, true uh, fellowship, and true love between people, um, and and romantic love also. Never thought I'd really have it. And so I was always chasing this uh, this uh, misconnection, the magic, the unreal, uh, the intrigue, the fantasy. And um, thank God for this program that helps me um, have these true connections today in my life. And it all started when you accepted me as I am, when I came into my first essay meeting, and then you helped me uh, reconstruct my um, belief in, in a higher power. And then, um, and then in myself and then back at you people, because I never trusted anyone. Uh, but after you helped me find God and uh, find myself, 
uh, I started finding other people too. Um, and so uh, it's all part of the inventory process. Uh, the inventory was really the beginning. I mean, steps one, two, and three was just like, shit, I can't do it myself. Maybe there's a God. Fine, I'll try this program. That was one, two, three for me. And in a very general way, right? And um, the, inv- the, the inventory process is where it all begins. The problem is uh, what I found, what I find a lot of the times is that people just get stuck there. And I, and I can understand that it happens for many reasons, but it's really, and Roy talks about it in the white book and obviously in the 12 and 12 too, um, our egos are just um, really creative and powerful in stopping us from um, getting to the facts and the roots and the causes of our lives because then uh, the whole ego scam, scheme um, uh, will be uh, revealed that it's a lie that is just trying to enlarge itself on the expense of all my life and that it has nothing to provide. It was always a robbery. Lust, which is a product of my ego, was always a robbery. It always overpromised. It never delivered anything. It gave me a few seconds of illusion, maybe a minute or two for rare times, and that's it. And so I really related to a speaker in AA who said, some of you guys may have great memories of your acting out or drinking. I don't. Uh, it was always a robbery. And uh, uh, sure, I can remember sometimes that I, I thought it was really awesome. But if I look back at it, um, it was really always a robbery. I felt empty, humiliated, disgusted with myself. And uh, it was never, lust never provided what it, re- what it, what it always promised. Um, and sometimes, you know, keep on promising in my head. Thank God I got shares and honesty uh, and other members. Uh, that I can share with and realize it really, it's not in my head. Uh, my head is not, uh, is not, is not real. My lust is not real. Uh, so I think all this is a really important uh, introduction to the fears inventory that I want to speak about. And uh, if you notice, if you go to page 66 in the big book, um, um, it talks about the resentment inventory. And then page 67 it says, uh, notice the word fear. Page 67, last paragraph. Uh, alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mr. Jones, it refers to the table of the resentments. And it says, this, this short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through it. It, set motions, it sets in motion trains of circumstances which wrought about which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. Um, I always thought my problems, you know, were what people have done to me, what my parents done to me. Um, so blaming other people or just I'm defective. It was all just very general, right? But when I go, when I go into, you know, the, the resentments inventory and I start to see all my character defects and I'm starting to see there's, some patterns here, and I, there's something going on, right? But after you, after you're sober for a little while, and you're working the steps, you're starting to feel it, right? I mean, they say 
when you get sober, oh, you'll feel better. And then you're starting to get sober, you feel crap. <laughs> you're feeling the worst you've ever been. You're I felt like I'm crazy. First of all, lust withdrawal was bad. I got, uh, I got really good two months or something. And then it was just like, all of a sudden, I'm starting to stop lusting. And I was like, every people, every person in the street was like a stripper or something. And, um, and, um, and porn stars. And it was, sorry if I'm too explicit, but it was just awful. Uh, for a few good weeks, um, it was just a bad withdrawal. And uh, it was really terrible. And, and you know, and, and you know, when you go to people, you'll go to old timer and said, what, what the hell were you thinking? You tell me I'm going to feel better. And they all they all laugh and say, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna feel better. You're gonna feel your resentments better. You're gonna feel your fears better. Your anxieties, your depressions, everything you were trying to run away from, you're gonna feel it better." <laughs> and um, and I guess there's no other way um, than to go through this process because I was running away from this life, and so I want to be present. I want to be alive. I want to feel this connection. I want to be normal. I want to be. I want to be saying i want to have a i want to have a, a life right but i don't want to have feelings no 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 that's too much for me no no <laughs> and so it doesn't make any sense and um yeah uh feelings are a range of emotions and there are some good ones and there are some unpleasant ones and that's okay um and part of my surrender and my giving up lust meant i had to go through these things turns out it's not it's not that bad um, it actually feels kind of human, and um, and it's all right to experience some pain or grief or or anger, um, um, and not being drawn into it, but just let it pass. And so, when I started to feel all those things, I've suddenly realized that uh, yeah, I got a lot of fear. I got a lot of fear. I'm afraid of everything. Um, and uh, when we get to the examples, I might share about uh, some of the fears I had now when I was interviewing for a different job. Uh, so search of a job, financial financial security or insecurity, uh, a, a very big issue for me, for everyone, probably. And uh, it's one of the things with us men or humans. We need shelter and security. And that's very fearful when we, we're afraid that we don't have it. And... Um, Boy, a boy, I I couldn't believe that I that I could be so fearful, and I've all, I, all of a sudden I realized I was always fearful at work. I thought I have a good I, ha I thought I have a good uh, job. I didn't thought they'll ever fire me. I mean, I felt relatively secured. I I felt like I'm trusting God. He gave me that job. That's so awesome. And as soon as I started wa um, watching for different jobs, I became so much aware of the fear. I realized. I go to work every day, full of fear. What if they're going to, it began, you know, they'll know I'm a sexaholic. They'll find out I'm acting out. They found out, gonna, it's written all over my face. They'll know I acted out the whole night. They know I didn't do yesterday anything and stuff like that. And then in recovery, it was like, they're going to find out I'm a sexaholic. They're going to find out I've been to a meeting yesterday. And then when that comes down, it's just, they're going to find out I'm, a, I'm an imposter. I'm not really doing my job. I'm not really as good as, I, as they think. Um, and all those fears just on and on and on. And I just got used to it. I was just, I was just, how are you doing? Great, I'm, I'm done, I'm fine. And then I'm, 
and I'm, don't talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm busy and stuff. I'm like, I, I never noticed how much stress and fear uh, I had. And it's not only that I had those fears. It's just this is the way I was operating. I didn't know how, how am I supposed to work without this tension and fear and all those stuff. And I just I wasn't aware of it um, until recently. And, you know, progress, not perfection. Some of the things just takes time. And so uh, this is some of my experience just to, for you to realize, um, um, you know, that I have fears <laughs> and, and, um, and then let's, let's, let's go back to the book and see uh, if we have a solution for that. Um, I think I'm going to, I have to put in my charger for a second so I won't lose your connection. Um, so if you don't know where your book your book is, go find your book, your big book, open in page 67. I'll be back in a second. Sorry about that. All right. And so and so this is just about work. If you think about relationships, you think about family, you think about um, um, sponsorship, you think about the fellowship. Um, you know, one day I realized I'm dependent on SA. What happens if everybody relapses and leave the rooms and I'll stay all alone? That's a big fear. Um, um, uh, you think about uh, what happens to my family. What happens? Uh, will I ever get married? Okay, I got married. Uh, will I ever lose this marriage? Uh, will I have kids? Uh, how will I look like? Uh, will they uh, will they be healthy? You know. Okay, I have kids. How much gonna? How much longer would I have them? Are they safe? You know, there are fears all over the place. And like with resentments, if I won't find a solution. For these fears, they will drive me to the point of so much discomfort that the only solution I'll have will be to act out, to lust, and then act out. And it's just uh, a privilege I don't have anymore. And so it's really like, I really liked um, uh, Chuck C., which is an A, old-timer, uh, in, uh, in a book in a book or a series of recordings called uh, New Pair of Glasses, where he talks about um, we really ran out of time. So a lot of people can lust a little, fear a little, steal a little, be angry a little, you know, do all this stuff, you know, at some point of their lives, um, and they'll, they'll just be okay with that. Um, I can't do that because when I'm lusting a little, I'm out of here. You know, I'm allergic to lust. I'm a sexaholic. Um, but when I'm resenting a little or hating a little or hurting you a little, or afraid just a little, um, it's getting out of control and I feel discomfort and restless. And the only solution my head knows is running away back to lust. And it's, you know, if I'm a real sexaholic, if I'm powerless over lust, then there's no way, there's no, um, you know, a fighting scheme, a plan or a set of boundaries or lockers that you can put on me that would be sufficient for me not to act out or not lust uh, if I'm in a great, great, uncomfortable, restless, um, irritable position. 
I would lust and I would act out. This is me. If it wasn't like that, if I could manage it my own, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't come to SA and I wouldn't stay in SA. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a powerless sexaholic. And this is why the only solution for me is to find a way of life where I'll be free of the resentments, free of the fears, free of the shame and guilt of hurting other people and myself and uh, have a better life. And it doesn't have to be perfect, um, but it has to be progressive and consistent and, uh, and with a higher power. And it could definitely be imperfect because I'm, I'm far from being perfect, but, um, uh, but I just can't just leave those fears out there with, uh, with no treatment. So, okay. Enough, enough of me, enough, enough of me, uh, selling you the idea of getting rid of your fears. Um, let's see what we can do about it. So we're back to page 67 and it says, uh, it talks about how we set motions, trains of circumstances, uh, if you think about it, you know, um, I'll just give you a quick example for that uh, because we can talk about this concept for a long time. But uh, there was a, an AA speaker said, uh, one of the guys came to him after the meeting and said, um, Bob, I really want to share a fear with you. I have no idea where it comes from. Maybe you can help me with that. I'm stuck in my inventory. He said, yeah, sure. What is it? And then this guy says, okay, just one second, pulls up a cigarette, light it up, puts it in his mouth and said, I'm afraid of cancer. I don't know why I'm afraid of cancer. Uh, my parents never had cancer. I was never traumatized by cancer. I don't know anyone who had cancer. I'm just, I, I have no idea why I'm so afraid of cancer. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy tells him, um, maybe stop smoking. And so this thing that um, sometimes we just, we're unaware of the, the actions that we take, the circumstances they bring about us. And, um, Sometimes, you know, we hit, uh, you know, we, 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 um, we step on the toes of our fellows and it takes a while before, sorry, before they retaliate. And then we're like, hey, I didn't do anything. And boy, we did some stuff. And with fear, it's the same thing. I'm afraid of being close to you. I'm afraid of being honest with you. So what I do, I step back. Um, and then I never get close to you. So I'm afraid that you would leave me. I'm afraid that you won't like me. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm not lovable and that I'm not going to get any connection with you people. So what do I do? I hide, I lie, I steal, I lust, I take from you in many ways. And then what happens? You feel that, you react, you retaliate, you step away. What happens? I'm staying alone. I'm validating the exact thing I was afraid of. I was, I'm creating my own unhappiness and my disconnection. And so fear really have this thing. And back in 68, it says we, uh, we ought, uh, we fear ought, uh, to be, uh, fear has to be classed with stealing. And then it goes, okay, so what do we do with it? So on page 68, um, second paragraph, and it says, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. Um, okay, let me stop right here for a second and see if there's any comments. Um, hello, Aviad. Thanks for sharing. Okay, so let's go with the uh, let's go with the fear. Um, 
68. We reviewed our fees thoroughly. We put them on paper. So you see there's a whole new inventory here. It's a new list. It's a new page talking about fears. And it says we asked ourselves why we had them. And sorry, I skipped one line. We put them on paper even though we had no resentments in connection with them. And so obviously, uh, resentments have a lot of fear. If you see, if you noticed it, you know, at the inventory of the resentments, we have this, uh, where was I afraid, right? Uh, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened. And so uh, what I've learned is that every, every resentment is based on fear. So every resentment has a fear in the root of it. Um, and that's just something you'll find out sooner or later. Uh, but there are a lot of fears that has nothing to do with resentments. And so this is why we get this fear inventory. Um, and it says, we've put them on paper. And so the first thing my sponsor told me to do is take a sheet of paper and start writing fears. And what I do is that I write a fear and I leave four rows empty and I write another fear. And then I leave another four rows empty and I write another fear and so on and so forth. And I just start with, like we do with the names. I'm just starting with fears. And after I do the fear, um, so, you know, every fear that I can think of, I'm afraid of dying, I'm afraid of marriage, I'm afraid of men, I'm afraid of women, I'm afraid of life, uh, I'm afraid of God, I'm afraid of cats, I'm afraid of big, angry dogs, I'm afraid of, um, what do I have here? I'm afraid I'm not enough, I'm afraid people will know how, how suck I am, I'm afraid I'll never find love. I'm afraid I'll never get sober. You know, all the fears uh, that I can think of. And and then I go on and it says, we asked them why we have, uh, we asked ourselves why we had them. And so it's half rhetoric questions because it's going to give the answer. But it's, what I do is just, I, I go to the second line and I ask myself, why do I have that fear? And I keep it really short and brief, you know, like with the resentments inventory. Some say, uh, when you go to the cause, you put uh, up to 19 words because that's what Bill had at the table back in page uh, 65, right? So relatively short. Why, why am I, why, uh, okay, I'm afraid of, uh, I'm afraid I'm not, I'm, I'll never get sober. Why? Because I've tried it for years. It never worked. Why would I say work? Right? Uh, I'm afraid I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm a thief. Why? Because I'm not completely honest at work and I don't work the whole, uh, I'm not working perfectly the whole nine hours and I'm afraid they'll find, find me, right? Uh, I'm afraid I'm not enough. Why? Because I'm trying to do things uh, perfectly and I never succeed and, uh, and I think everybody sees it and they just hate me. So I'll just briefly describe why do I have that fear. It helps me later because we're going to dig deeper into the fear. And so then he said, we asked ourselves why we had those fears, why we had them. And then he gives the answer, really. So, and um, there's only one answer to all the fears. Uh, apparently, isn't that over, oversimplifying, huh? Um, but let's find out. And he says, uh, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us have had great self-confidence. Not me, but some of us. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I didn't. But it didn't full. But it didn't fully solve the for, the fear problem, or any other problem. When in Ayaskaki, it it was even worse. And so it talks about how even the most um, um, self confident people, a lot of the times, 
um, a lot of the times are, are inside really afraid, really, really afraid. And, um, and, um, what I've learned in, in today in, um, in recovery and, um, and that's also an experiment my sponsor is doing, um, that practically everything that we do in our lives has one of two motives. It's either fear or love. And you've probably heard that uh, from other people, um, but that was a whole new concept for me. And um, my sponsor and his sponsors are doing this experiment for a long, a long time. So um, if you ever find a third motive, please let me know. It would change everything. Um, but uh, they're doing it for years, and I'm doing it for a few years, and uh, nobody ever approached us uh, with, a, with a third motive. So um, everything I do is either fear or love. And um, um, when you go to – there's a – in AA, uh, one of the guys shared, there was a huge gangster coming into the room, you know, full of tattoos and uh, big and muscular and, uh, you know, with this, uh, you know, angry attitude, face, and – Everybody didn't want to wouldn't even sit next to him. And um, and he was uh, going to this old timer and asking him something about not sure how to stay sober or something. And um, um, and then I can't remember exactly what he said, but I, I, it's just uh, uh, this old timer who was really afraid of this guy, like everybody else, uh, uh, saw through, saw through, you know, saw through the big... Uh, uh, the big uh, fearful uh, attitude and stuff and uh, this big angry attitude and just said, um, aren't you afraid, huh? Aren't you afraid? Uh, I think he was, ta- I was thinking he was talking about how he punched a guy and, um, you know, uh, hit him and, until he lost his consciousness, something like violent, right? And uh, he was just, and everybody, you know, was just like shocked and he just looked at him and said, wow, were you, fa- were you afraid, huh? And this guy shook his head and said, wow, nobody ever told me that. And he just realized, said, yeah, I was really afraid. It was, it was crazy. And then um, whatever, they had this conversation for a long time. But uh, they sit down. But the thing is that, like I mentioned before, I was, I was never aware of how much fears are really uh, controlling me and how much there are. It's just like the fabric of my existence all over the place. And uh, the antidote here, obviously, is God, and it's going to show us how to do it. And it's not an easy fix. It's not a one-day fix. Um, it's going to take a while. But, but it says, perhaps there is a better way. Okay? We think so. For we now have a different basis, on the basis of trusting and relying upon God. I mean, hey, I'm sober. 30 days, 40 days, 60 days, middle of my inventory, you know, feeling shitty sometimes, feeling a little bit better some of the days, right? And so this, this, this thing, this essay stuff might work, you know, who knows? So I'm starting to get the spaces. I mean, that's when I, that's in early recovery. I mean, today, um, in my recovery, damn, it works. I mean, you know, if you know my story, some of the guys here in Israel, they know my story. God is working in my life. I'm not sure what exactly God, I'm not sure why he picked me. I'm not sure exactly I'm not sure of a lot of stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really explain a lot of the stuff, but I can really tell you he's working in my life. The gifts I'm getting, the life I have today is just um, um, amazing, you know? And 
not everything is perfect and um i'm experiencing life all in all its ranges you know uh, if you're sober in sa it doesn't mean that if it rains outside you won't get wet right i get wet a lot of the time uh and it's still and it's still an amazing journey and uh and so today i'm on a different basis completely and it's still very hard for me to trust my higher power it's amazing how much i need to go back to this work and remind myself that i live on a different basis i mean God have, has removed my obsession to last one day at a time. I'm, I, it broke the addiction cycle. I'm sober for more than five years. My life is getting a good direction. I have relationships. I have friends. I have a sponsor. I have sponsors. Yeah, I have all those awesome things in my life. And then I think to myself, you know, yeah, I got sober, but he can't help me get married. Then I'm getting married. Yeah, it won't last. Then we celebrate, you know, one year, two years. And then it's like, yeah, buddy, God doesn't know anything about math. I'm going to fail my degree. You know, I'm not going to do it. Then I get help. You know, I ask for help. God is there. You know, get a degree. Yeah, but God really can't help me with work, right? So, and so it's like it, this is the experiences I get in recovery are not necessarily transferable from one part of my life to the other. And this is why I have to go back to this work. It's, it's so funny how my ego keeps finding lies. How should I not trust my higher power? I like it when my sponsors say it. I think he said it uh, earlier today in the same. It's like, or, or sorry, it was over a phone call. Said It's like, I'm always sure that right now when I have that problem, right now exactly the time where God, was be, God will be distracted by helping someone else and he, won't, he wouldn't notice me, you know. He will fail me and he won't be there for me and I'll just be alone, you know, and I'll die. And it always go, goes back to those fears. And so... Um, I have to remind myself that today I live on a different basis, relying and trusting upon God. If relying and trusting God would be an idea that doesn't work, I wouldn't be here today. I wasn't sober today. I didn't have the life I have. And I'm not sure I would even be alive if this idea wouldn't work. So today I trust God, this idea of God and the existence of him and its pres- his presence in my life um, is, is, is something I rely on. My life depends on it. Um, and so sometimes I forget that. I think that I'm trusting me. And so we trust an infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. And just to the extent that we do so, we think we would have a, uh, sorry, uh, we, we are in the world to play the role he assigns. So I'm working for him, not the other way around, step three, right? And so just to the extent that we do, as we think he would have us. And how do you rely on him? Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Okay, so there are a few things here. First, it says that I'm allowed to make mistakes. It doesn't say, you know, whatever God thinks of you up there in the skies, you know, and you have to guess it. And if you didn't guess it, he'll kill you. Uh, but if you guess it right, bang, bang, he'll be there for you. Doesn't That's not what it says. It says just to the extent that I do what I think God wants me to do. And so I have a sponsor. I have some quiet time with my higher power. I got meditations. I got inventories. I got other people to share it with. And so I don't, have a, I don't always have clear answers of what God's will for me, um, but I'm doing my best. And as long as I'm honestly doing the best I can, searching for what's God's will for me in this situation, and I do that, that's okay. And if I'm wrong, let me know. 
trust me, he did it a few times. Um, it's okay. And so to the exact, to the, just to the exact, to just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and how we rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? And uh, it says, it keeps on going. It says, we never apologize for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality is a way of weakness. Um, paradoxically, it's a way of strength, right? Isn't it? Isn't this a paradox? You know, admitting, admitting I'm a drunk sexaholic who's completely powerless over lust and, um, and surrendering, you know, my life, you know, and admitting complete failure is the greatest strength I ever, I ever had. Isn't that a paradox, right? And so admitting uh, I'm finite and God is infinite and that I rely on him is actually a great strength because you know what? All of you are finite too. And you know what? None of us is stronger than the sun, than, than time or the nature or a lot of the things that we humans are just completely powerless over. Um, but God is infinite and that's a, that's a big source of power and uh, reliance for me to, to build my life upon. And it says, the verdict of ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. So we never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. And so I'll give um, a, few, a few more comments on this last sentence, then a few more comments on how I technically do it, and then let's open it up for questions. And so, and examples maybe. And so, um, I said it, it's, not, it's not a one-day one day fix, right? It's not a quick fix. And it says, um, 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 we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to whatever he would have us be, right? And then it says, at once, at once means immediately, right? We commence, commences that we're starting to um, outgrow fear. And so uh, the, the best picture my sponsor gave me is you think about, if you think about um, uh, a seed of tree. So you put a seed in the ground. You got like a big bush, big dark bush of fear, you know, that kind of covers your, uh, your backyard or something. And you plant a seed of faith. And um, you don't see anything. And you pour some water and you take care of it. And uh, day by day, you know, you go after a day, you go after a week, you don't see anything. Now, after a few, ye- few weeks, you might see, some, uh, you might see some, um, some leaves or some little greens, right? You go back after a few years um, and you see a small tree next to the bush. Uh, you come after a few more years, you see a huge tree outgrowing the bush, standing beautifully at the backyard. And um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's trust God, trusting God as opposed to fear. Um, so this, is, this has been my experience. It progresses and it gets better over time. And that's coming about how we do it. And so uh, what I do is that in the, uh, after I've wrote uh, my fear and I've wrote the cause for the fear, I go fear by fear and I ask myself, how do I rely on self and how can I trust God? Because this is the axiom here in the book that all my fears are because I'm relying on myself. And if I could trust God, that would solve the problem. And a lot of times I can't see how I'm relying on myself. I think it's just fear 
And so I need people with, with experience, people who've done this before, to kind of help me see it. How do I rely on self? I'm afraid, you know, that I'm not enough. I'm relying upon me because I, I think I have to sell Aviad. I have to force everyone to love me. Nobody will love me by themselves. God would not send love over to me. No way. I have to make everyone love me. I have to manipulate and, and make everyone love me. And so I have to do it. And so if I'm trusting Aviad and I know how fallible and, um, and, and, and um, limited he is, sure, I'm afraid. I'm dead afraid because I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make it. And so I'm afraid I'm not enough. Yeah, I'm trying to be enough. I'm trying to convince you I'm enough and I'm, I'm not going to make it. So I'm trusting Aviad and I'm dead afraid he won't make it. This is why I'm afraid. And the only solution for that is to trust God. So how can I rely, rely on God? Um, if I trust God that I am enough, he created me as I am. And I trust God to send people in my life that would appreciate me as I am. Um, and I trust God's love to fill me that I would understand that I'm enough just as I am. So if I can trust God, then maybe I won't be so afraid. And so another example would be, I'm afraid I'll never get sober. Well, how do you trust self? Well, of course, I try myself to stop acting out all my life. Never worked. I'm dead afraid. Why would I say be different? Because I'm still thinking, Aviad should work this program. Aviad should get sober. Aviad, you know, should do this thing, man up and do it, right? And when I finally realized, no, I'm powerless. I can't help myself. God can make it. If I take the actions, God would keep me sober. Um, and so on and so forth. And um, this is a really mind, it's a huge mind change to see how all of my life is really those fears. And um, last comment is very important. So what do I do? It's like the resentment. So if I prayed about this person, if he's a sick person, fine. There's no worries. Why do I have to have that fourth column with, with, where I find all my character defects? Because I don't want to repeat these things all over again. So if I trust God and God removes my fears and he's taking care of me, why do you need me? Why God, you know, I'm just going to sit in my bed. You know, God will send me sponsors. I mean, sponsors in SA and also financial sponsors. God will throw money out of, from the window throw hot dogs for me to eat, right? I'm not going to do anything. God's, God is doing everything, right? No. And so I trust God with whatever I can't do. Um, but there are things that God expects me to do because I work for him. It doesn't work for me, right? And so I have to ask myself, uh, what would God would have me be? And I sit down quietly. I meditate. If I need help, I ask a sponsor or other people who have done this before, what God would have me be in this situation? And um, a lot of the times it's just being human, trust him, being happy, joyous, and free, being honest, working the steps, um, and, and taking care of myself, being gentle to others, being considerate of others, and all those sorts of stuff. And so when I take care of my, of my, of my assignments, my assignments, um, I take care of what God would have me be. Not, not only what God would have me do, but what would God would have me be. Considerate, honest, um, courageous, um, imperfect, right? And what I do at the end of it is that I take all those lists of fears. I take the 10 biggest fears. I put them on a card, little card, 
credit card. Like I could put in my, uh, like the prayer list I have in my pocket. And every time I'm afraid, I just pull it out. And it has like the 10, the 10 biggest, the 10 biggest fears on my side, one side. And the other side is what would God would have me be. And for example, I'm afraid I'm not enough. What would God, God would have me be? Uh, a loved child, happy, imperfect, uh, human, and considerate of others. And so that's what God would have me be. And so every time I'm afraid I'm not enough, I'm afraid I'm not enough, I'm at work, what am I do? What am I going to do? I just pull up the card and say, God, please remove my fears, direct my attention to whatever you would have me be. A loved child, a happy, uh, imperfect, uh, human, uh, considerate person. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Okay, I'm just going to be considerate to someone. I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to be, you know, a loved child of God. Okay, I can do that. And so uh, this process really was, was really mind-blowing for me. Uh, it was a new concept. Um, never saw it in the book. Just skip those paragraphs. And I'm uh, really grateful that I could share this experience with you. Uh, it took me way longer than I thought, <laughs> but I'm glad we had the time. So, so there are a couple of questions there if you want to just look at them and mm-hmm. give a couple of pointers. So, great. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. I'm very late. Can you see some of the questions? Um, yeah, you scroll up. Yeah. Um, so, one second. Please send your questions to Aviad. Uh, what's the yeah, solution to living the opposite way? So we were just talking about that, right? That was 40 minutes ago. So the, the opposite is trusting God. And the way to trust God is to uh, seed, uh, to uh, seed the seed of faith, which is by practicing these things and by writing this inventory and by taking a few moments every time I got a fear to realize how am I trusting myself and how can I trust God? And after I, and after I'm willing to trust God, then what would God have me be? What would, God, what would God have me do? Fine. I trust God that he would get me the best job I can. What do I have to do? I have to prepare for interviews. I have to do the foot, footwork. Um, I have to take the actions. And he takes all the credit and all the results. And so God would have me go into that interview, be honest, um, be gentle with myself, you know, be imperfect. And that's it. And so uh, practicing these, uh, these things get, it gets easier uh, the more I practice it. Uh, great. Someone says he made his fourth and st- uh, third and fourth step inventory at the same time. Uh, yeah, so I, I didn't do those uh, fearless when I did my first inventory. But as soon as I've heard of it, I sit down, I did some of it, then... Uh, then I, when I took my sponsor who actually did it, um, I did it with him again and it's beautiful. Try it out. Um, right. And how do I transform fears to love? And so the last comment is really in that, uh, well, I have to get to the 11th 11 step and it took me a while. It took me five years. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I was at I was at a step twelve. I've I've went past through step eleven, you know, w- way back. But uh, I do ten, eleven, and twelve for the rest of my life. And 
it seems like it just took me a while to, to, to really start practicing it. Uh, I guess there are many ways to do it, but one of the big things in step 11 today is will I really sit and meditate? And one of the things I meditate about is the idea that uh, the love of God uh, is available to me, right? That God's love is filled in the creation, um, that my higher power loves me as I am, that I am a beloved child of God, uh, and all those sorts of stuff. And when I meditate about it every morning, or when I take the time, um, you know, when I'm afraid to write those inventories and to share it with friends and to, uh, and to you know, bring it back into my consciousness, I'm a loved child of an infinite, powerful God, you know? And I just got an, I, I just got an offer. I just got a, um, a new job offer. And, um, and, and everybody says, you know, negotiate the first, the first, the first draft, the first offer you get. And I got a really good offer. And of course, I'm dead afraid to ever challenge it because they'll throw me out of the stairs, right? And so I took the actions. I said, I'm powerless. I said, I'm afraid. You know, I asked God and I felt the right thing to do is to be abiding to those suggestions and just make a counter offer in a very considerate, polite way. And so I did. And on that same day, the recruiter went, came back and said, you could only change so-and-so. And then, um, and, then I, I, and then I said, great, I was so afraid, but I took the action and it was okay. And I trusted God and I felt like this is very stressful for me, so I'm just going to do it once, you know, do the right thing, and then I'll just accept the offer, whatever they get. The result is on God. And so they changed it just slightly. And I said, great, what's the next step? Where do I sign? And he's like, what? Seriously? I mean, <laughs> he thought I'm just going to keep on challenging them. And of course, as soon as he said that, I'm, oh, shit, I have to negotiate more. And so again, I'm starting to get afraid. And so it's funny how I, I was dead afraid making any counter offer, And as soon as I did, all of a sudden now I'm afraid to pull back. I'm afraid to say yes. So it's always these fears are just um, controlling me. And by, by being aware of them, sharing about them, praying about them, and practicing the next right thing, um, and I just I sit down in quiet. I talk to my sponsor. I sit down in quiet. I've realized he didn't have to tell it to me. I just realized I'm feeling comfortable with what I have. I'm just going to accept it as it is. And, and so I did. And so it's the first time in my life that I have fears that are telling me to do so-and-so. And I can sit quiet and do the exact opposite or do something in the middle. And so I'm not acting out those fears, but rather, no, trusting God and doing it differently this time. And, I'm not, and I might not do it perfectly, you know? And I might get, I might could have got a few more dollars if I would have, but what would the price that I would pay with my serenity, my stress, my, my sobriety, the people around me? I just... It wasn't worth it for me. I'm choosing serenity. I'm choosing trusting God. I'm choosing doing this program one day at a time, uh, doing the best I can, very limitedly, and uh, surrendering the results to God. So that's what's working for me. One uh, last question, yeah. Yeah, Aviad, yeah, yeah, could you please share with us other biggest fears on your card and what God would have you be? Sure. Um, 
I had uh, a big fear of women when I was dating. I was afraid, you know, the women I was dating. Um, and what God would have me be was um, being a loving, has uh, being a being a loving, supportive, human, imperfect partner. I said, okay, I can be loving, I can be supportive, and I would just, I would go to the, I would go to the to her house, and before I knock the door, before the date, I was just like, God, please remove my fear, direct my attention to whatever you would have me be, uh, a loving, supporting, imperfect. Uh, partner. Um, one last thing, uh, which really helped me is that when my sponsor shared this idea with me, he shared one fear and I keep repeating that fear because it was very good for me. And he shared the fear that he's a doctor and he, and he was treating patients and he was really afraid that he would give him the wrong medicine. And they would die. That's a good fear. And, um, and, um, and then when he asked, when he said meditate and asked why would God would have me, would have him be, he said, God would have me be, um, um, uh, present, considerate, professional, and um, and um, considerate, uh, professional, and something like uh, not nice, but uh, you know, understanding or something like that. He said, "What do you think, Aviad? If you have a doctor who's honest, present, professional, understanding, considerate, would you like to go to that doctor?" I'm like, "Where? Yes, where can I find those doctors? You know." He said, you see, so this is probably what God would have me be. And so I would have to think what God would have me be in this situation and then surrender the results to him and trust him. And that's it. Thanks.